this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, the union has given us another pick. Uh, well, actually, this might be one of the grandfathered picks. Uh, we we don't really categorize them all that well when we're when we're figuring this out. Uh, Gavin, as uh, as uh, we've mentioned before, uh, he has three picks a year thanks to previous contests when we didn't think things through, and uh, <laughs> and so um, oh, maybe he got them got them via trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With other uh, DMO union members, <laughs> that's that's how I'll give you three picks this year for two picks next year. Yes, <laughs> he's, and one, he's stockpiling and, picks as well, and and, and uh, six votes in the uh, polls. Right there, you go. <laughs> so, Gavin, welcome back. Thank you. You have brought to us a record. That was on the original USB stick that you sent many years ago. Always like when we get to break that stick out and <laughs> uh, and and bring something uh, from the 128k files into my uh, into my Apple. Uh, that's how iTunes. we listen to them. You pop the stick in, you listen to the record, then you put it in the mail, you send it to me, then I listen to the record. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how we do it. That's how they intended music to be listened to. Right. I don't know if you know that. That was always the, that's the best way is on a USB stick sent through the mail. Uh, so Gavin, let's tell everyone the record that you picked for this episode uh, that was on that USB stick. Share with them the album. Okay. Um, today we're going to review a band called Mola and they're, debut and only LP, um, Golden Duck. So how'd you find out about this band? Were they touring a lot in the mid-90s, or what's the, what's the deal with them? Um, yeah, they would have been touring locally. They're a Melbourne band, which is where I was at the time. Um, so I, I would have I would have seen them on low billings at pubs, and then they gradually got a bit more um, popular. They were on Triple J, which seems to be our you know reference point for everything Australian, basically. Um, and they're on recovery, the TV show some of the other guys mentioned last time. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just a local band, basically. Yeah. So I did a little digging, and they were previously a band called Snuff before yep. this. And Snuff did put out a couple of um, of releases. Uh, they released an EP in '94 called Driven. And it was the lineup for that was Helen Kadenach and Julian Polson along and Helen plays bass and sings Julian's guitar player. And then um, Dave Peacock, I believe, was the drums for that record. 
and then um, he moved, you know, forward with them, uh, but did not play on this record. They released prior to this, they released a, a single called "On Special" in 1996, um, and then a an EP called "Coaster," also in '96. Uh, Dave Peacock played on those on Golden Duck, the album um, drums are played by Steve Boyle and uh, they added a keyboard player as well. Andrew Kentler for this record, who also played uh, acoustic guitar on some tracks and sings backing vocals on some of the songs. This record was produced by Lindsay Gravina, who um, if you're not familiar with uh, Lindsay's work, you would know it because we have there's been a lot of bands that we've talked about. Cosmic Psychos, The Living End. Um, uh, there was a couple other ones that I'm Asteroid B, B, B5, B6, what, no, B612. Not yep. B5. Uh, and, and some other ones that we haven't talked about that, but I've heard the names. Uh, the Magic Dirt, um, some other ones. And uh, so a, a familiar name, a lot of these bands to the uh, to the podcast. So. Jay, I had not heard of Moeller, had you? No, and I was thrown by uh, sometimes the name has a umlaut over the O and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so I wasn't yeah. even sure if it was Moeller or not. I was like, maybe it's pronounced in some other way. I saw oh, that I on that music, and I don't know where that's come from. That, that's never been there. So. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, that's it's like the listing in Apple Music has the umlaut, but then the album cover doesn't. I was like, yeah. that's a weird mistake to make. <laughs> so this was released on Infectious, which was, I believe, a subsidiary of Mushroom, um, which was a subsidiary of, of Sony. Sony was the overall branch, and Mushroom was one of their... Uh, labels this was only released on cd there is no there are no vinyls floating around out there of this record let's get into some of the comments over at patreon uh darren lehman said cool sound they have this surf rock slacker cool sort of punk thing going on but it wears thin over the course of an entire album i do like the purring vocals of the lead singer better ep than album in my opinion Okay. Steve Musinski said another classic case of the album cover being entirely deceptive. I'm inclined to think they ripped off the helmet logo on purpose. I don't know about that, but I can't even begin to imagine why. So perhaps it was merely a coincidence. Anyway, going into this, I prepared myself for pure grime and dirt on the level of early bark market, Jesus lizard or season to risk, but it, but was instead met with, and I quote, a mix of noisy guitar fuzz, hard driving beats, strident pop melodies, and alternately sweet and purring and aggressive vocals. The opening track immediately called to mind The Scratch by Seven Year Bitch, albeit with less grit, but just as much attitude. Everything about this album is right in my wheelhouse. The entire thing is drenched in melody, both musically and vocally, while simultaneously packing a nice punch with tons of fuzz, particularly with that gnarly bass tone. And even some dissonance on tracks, tracks like Invite Me to Your Party 
As soon as my first listen ended, I put on Hormone Hotel by Bandit Queen, which, of course, was also a stellar pick by Gavin. Thanks, mate. In total, I listened to Golden Duck three times, and for me, it's a worthy album all the way. Favorite tracks are Infatuation, Mustang Bass, Death Collector, Catwalk Kid, and What a Shame. The instrumental bridge and outro is just fantastic. And uh, Gavin, you commented, but your comments are uh, void because you're on the episode. So <laughs> you're no, always, you like, um, to... always like hearing Steve's opinion on things, but I'm going to have to get him for a bit of plagiarism on that. I've got an article here where uh, right next to me, which has some of that phrasing in it. Um, I'll, uh, oh. I'll message him. Well, he he used quotation marks. Uh huh. There you go. So he so he was uh, he was trying to. Uh, give uh give credit to uh someone because he said and i quote so Ian perhaps, uh, but uh, he did not provide proper uh you know uh he didn't cite it yeah he didn't cite it in, and he didn't use a footmark so we are going to have to <laughs> knock him down a grade for failing to use a footmark on that quotation a minus bud yeah sorry <laughs> it should have been in your bibliography <laughs> so let's get into it let's talk about golden duck by molar jay tell me one thing you liked about golden duck uh some of the comments hit on some of it i like what i hear it working on this uh band is a really solid and bass parts and also sound like it has a really good low end that then allows the, this vocal to kind of sit, I think in a place where she can be like um, expressive, but not like overly aggressive or screechy. Like she can just kind of be in this cool delivery space where it's, it's at times even a, a talk or spoken vocal um, or kind of a hushed, I don't want to say a whisper, but like, she's never, she she can sound like I would say um, Courtney Love a little bit, but she doesn't do like the Courtney Love screaming vocal. She does like the lower register stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the just the, the overall like mix of the band is well suited to you know the way that she sings. Um, it also allows for the guitar to, yeah, you know, it'll play chords here and there and you know, typical alternative rock parts, but there's also some moments where the guitars can then pop through over this really heavy, thick bass tone um, and do things that are more like garage rocky leads, you know, or surf rock leads, um, Mustang bass and pseudo neophedrine, whatever. I don't know what that word is. Is that what it is? Pseudo has a, has you know features a guitar line like that so there's these moments where by having this really beefy rhythm section the vocal and the guitar can really pop through and then do something you know that grabs your ear you know kind of is the what becomes i think distinguishable about the band which is the vocal and some of these you know guitar lines
also, I think, affords some just like cool attitude and mood on this record. You know, it does get a little punky and noisy and a, a little aggressive, but I think when it works best, it's in this um, kind of more middle space where the guitars are kind of floating on top and the tempo is a little bit pulled back. Um, and there's just like this confidence and swagger, um, to the band, almost like, um, a band we reviewed that came to mind was New York loose had to me a similar kind of feel to them. Um, so yeah, I think there's, uh, on the top of this, these bass parts in this bass tone, I think there's a, um, you know, a pretty interesting vocalist and, you know, approach to sort of this middle ground between, you know, punk attitude and then alternative, you know, hard rock kind of sound. What about you, Tim? Well, I think first of all, you know, the thing that caught me was Helen's vocals. I mean, these are like the exact kind of snotty punk uh sneering but melodic vocals that work really well for me um it has a little bit of riot girl in it yeah and but it is not as um sometimes that could be on the on the lower fi end some of the recordings and even though this is you know it's a three piece with a with a additional instruments on keyboard and and guitar here and there it's essentially a very tight three piece and they just they know how to write to her strengths as a vocalist, um, finding the right keys and, and just building all these songs that are just so tight and interesting working with her range. Uh, I don't know what their influences are. I mean, I could say, well, this sounds, you know, you mentioned whole, I heard a lot of, of, um, Kim Gordon from Sonic youth in this, you know, uh, her her delivery her her lower end rasp and her sort of dry um sense of humor which i could hear in in some of the lyrics in in these songs um and i really i really appreciated that because on to be quite honest i liked kim gordon better as the vocalist in sonic youth than than thurston moore i was that found thurston moore to be fine but not as dynamic and she just played more with her vocal cadences and her and her um what she was doing. So I I always like that. And uh it's nice to hear, you know, just how well this band works together. Steve mentioned the bass. The bass sounds awesome. It's this fuzzed out bass. Um sounds everything's big. yeah. Like even in headphones, it's it's a big bass sound. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, the guitar playing is not over the top. It could be, but he just serves each song pretty well. Um, the drums are not spectacular, but they they're fine. So, you know, really, it's her driving. I mean, that's her playing bass and her singing. So she is driving this band hmm. and um, it's a really cool sound. Uh, that I I wonder if this had been, this didn't get released in the United States. There's no U S release for this album, but I I wonder 
you know, this is the this is right around the time when Slater Kinney is starting. Um, you know, this would have been a perfect band for for them to be playing with and touring with. I, I have no idea, you know, what their um, situation was in in Australia, but like, because because when I hear this, when you think of like female fronted '90s U.S. bands, this is far less polished than say a Veruca Salt, um, and although it's poppy way more in, in, in some respects than Sleater Kinney was at the beginning. Um, there is, there's just an element of, of that, you know, riot girl sound that's in here that teeters on the edge of like, you know, whether they're like an indie pop band or a power pop band or a punk band, or they're sort of like in all, all the different spaces on this record. So, I did. I did find a lot that I liked about it. Uh, so, Gavin, what was uh, what was working best for you on this record? Um, for me, the bit that works best is that is kind of what you both said. It's a it's a very fully realized sound. So it's not a sound that's that you can and no one's managed to do it. You can't just go, oh, they sound like so and so. So they've got this quite unique sound of their own, but it's it's very well defined. Um, you know, they're, they're in that zone the whole time. Everything works together that, you know, like it doesn't sound like they're really experimenting. This is just how they sound. Um, again, with you, I really, um, I love the vocals. Um, it's interesting. People have been referring to as purring. You've gone with snotty. I had, um, I had sultry written down, you know, that it was a bit, it's a bit of a, you know, bit of a sexy vibe that she gives off with the vocal. Um, so that, that were probably my main points. Obviously, I've got the nostalgia reference reference point as well with this. So when I put it on, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that. That yeah, that was cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably that that it's so well formed as a as a, as a sound with the obvious, um, you know, with the one song obviously uptight being an outlier on that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um... Was this a band that got any sort of momentum in Australia, like nationally, or were they really just kind of a regional band? Um, so they had they were number one album, um, Triple J's album of the week at one point. Um, they were nominated for an ARIA, which is, you know, Australian Music Awards. Right. Um, so, yeah, they they were, well, who, who have you reviewed? So who have we reviewed? So they would have been, so they're bigger than Hoss. Uh, more popular than Hoss, um, but not as popular as, say, Spider-Bat. Uh, Ammonia is probably a reasonable reference point. Um, Ammonia probably burned, a, I don't know, 15% brighter, but, you know, somewhere around there. Okay. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't a big deal. Hmm. Because I'm curious why they didn't make a follow-up record after this. If they were nominated for an aria and had had a little bit of success, one of this is what I think happened. This, you know, so I'll put my own quotation marks around this one. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, Helen and Julian were a couple, and that that ended. Oh, but that'll yeah, do. Some, that'll do stuff. That'll do it. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that, I think that had something to do with it. Um, Fleetwood Mac situation. <laughs> um they did uh 
as I mentioned um, when we were before the show, so they released an EP and well, they had they had the, the last release was a self release in two thousand two. Um, was like a compilation of four bands on a uh, on a seven inch that came out. And then in 2019, they self-released uh, an EP called Work, which um, has a video. I mean, they, they have an active Facebook page, but it's mostly to promote their other bands that they're in. <laughs> yeah, like, um, so I think they, they did a one-off um, gig here. They, they toured, toured the States in 2000, and um, the drummer was the drummer from Hoss when they did that. Um, I feel like they were ramping up towards doing something but I feel like it's on the back burner again. Gotcha. Okay. Jay, what doesn't work for you on this record? Well, as much as I like the tone of her voice and kind of the attitude and the feel, um, I don't feel like, like just melodically and even from an emotional standpoint, it goes as far as it could. Um, she kind of gets into this moany drony kind of melody a lot. Um, that again, reminds me of, of Courtney love, um, the, but without those moments of like, just exuberance or anger or like, she's always so like, seems so controlled that sometimes I just wish there was something else there, either just an incredible hook that really jumped out melodically or even just an incredible emotion, you know, just to cut through um, a little bit of the, the lull that starts to set in for me on this record, you know, song after song, you sort of just get in this mode and it almost becomes predictable um, in terms of like how she's going to sing and the way the songs are going to go, especially towards the latter half of the record. Um, I think there's some good songs in there. It's just, there's something about the, other than uptight, like the whole end of the record starts to, which I, I think is a misstep. I don't think that song should be on the record, but I think there's some good songs in the second half, but there's something about like this law sets in of it being predictable and I'm wanting maybe the vocal or something to really jump out, you know, and, and do something different and unexpected, um, which doesn't seem to happen. I agree with you to a point. I mean, I think, yeah, she's, there's not a song where I think I do, I do is maybe the closest where it gets into like a real pop territory with, with what, what her melody is. lot of this is is really strong but there aren't massive hooks um so i when i've seen them mentioned as power pop i don't 
necessarily agree with that just no. because I think you got to have, you got to really nail like a big chorus. And I think, I think these choruses are fine as sort of pop punk, but I don't, I don't it, see them. Yeah. They're like, um, they're fine. in like, they have an immediacy and a rawness to them. Like they sound like a polished garage band. So it kind of brings that mm-hmm. spirit and energy of, you know, those early stages of being a musician or a band, which is great. Like uh, obviously the nineties is all about that, but I don't hear power pop. I mean, it doesn't go to that next level of being like, when I think of power pop, it's like highly polished, melodic sensibilities, harmonies, just in a, I think a level of different level of craft, just a different overall presentation. I, I would not consider this band in that category. I, I do be- think that they I, I think they avoid the for the most part I, I'm not a big fan of Hole I think they avoid that sort of grunge sound that is on Invite Me to Your Party um, which is also the longest song in the record by like a minute yeah uh, maybe a minute and a half <laughs> that to me is where they have a misstep like don't like these uh, these songs are all three minutes and less, and that to me is perfect. Like two and a half, two forty five, rip through them. Give me the big bass tone. Give me her sneering, yeah. purring lyrics, however you want to describe them. Um, and you know, hit me hit me quick with these songs. And it's only a thirty six minute record. Boom, get me through all that. Invite me to your party, especially with it being four. It just like it's just like thudding, you know, dud of a of a of a song. I like some of the lyrics, but just the, musically, it's not. It doesn't. It, if you're gonna do that, put it at the end of the record or or something. Yeah, the verses are very um, almost like art rock, and then the chorus is pretty straightforward. It's a weird, weird song. Yeah, they go to this minor like almost sonic youthy kind of verse and then the chorus all of a sudden is like whole which yeah don't quite get gavin what doesn't work for you on this record um well again kind of similar to what you've been saying there um it can get a little samey that i'm interested that you picked up on invite me to your party because that was probably one of the biggest singles off this um and listening to it this time around she does a at least 30 seconds of outro where she's kind of warbling seashells, seashells by the seashore and, right. um, you know, mucking, mucking around with the how that goes. And it's just there's no reason for that to be there. And you kind of – it's the first point of the album where you start to detach because you're like, okay, just I'll come back when you get when you stop doing that, <laughs> um, which I, just, I guess I didn't really pick up on first time around. Um, yeah, so – Aside from that, yeah, there's a few, there's a few moments where, where, where it just feels like, oh, it's the same. It's a bit the same thing. And again, definitely no big, no big hook, nothing to grab onto. So when I was driving around with it, there wasn't, you know, that song where you where you um, just break into singing along with it yourself. It just doesn't happen. And I don't know if that's um, because that the hook isn't there or because lyrically most of these songs are. 
about being a slightly unhappy young woman, which mm-hmm. I can't relate to. You know, it's very hard for me to sing along passionately um, to that. You know, um, even though even though it works for me, I, but I did find I was like, okay, I, can't, I was struggling to connect with it like I would, you know, some, something that Greg Dooley sings, for instance. Um, you know, I just I just wasn't able to bring myself into that sort of zone. That's fair. I think I think in some respects, like a song like Red Light Disco, like the bass almost acts as the mm. driver rather than the vocal of that song. Um, which listening to that, it reminded me of some of the album tracks on like Elastica's record, which are pretty dirty sounding. You know, yeah. people mm. think of Elastica, they think of connection yeah. and car song, and, and those are like pretty clean, but there's some really ragged you know, punk songs essentially on that Elastica yeah. record. And that get that song gave me those vibes because it's up tempo, it's catchy, it's two minutes, and but it's musically driven. It's not vocally driven. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I that is an interesting point, you know, about identifying with the lyrics. I definitely heard things where I was like, that's a funny or that's an interesting line, but nothing that made me go, oh, that's a you hit like a universal sentiment with that chorus, like something that anybody can attach themselves to or, or that I can relate to. Um, They just, there's a lot of like observational, you know, young observational lyrics. Yeah. There's Uh, also like um, dirty dishes, for instance, as when that's the being repeated as kind of like a chorus, it's, 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 it's a bit nothing, you know? That's right. just, you're just repeating that back and forth and you kind of go, I can't sing along to that. You know, um, it's just, it's, that's a, just a bit nothing. It's when you don't ever really have a chorus, so you just repeat something over and over again and it becomes the chorus. Yeah, but it's not even about anything. Like, it's just dirty dishes. Right. You know? <laughs> I don't know, I sound uh, like I don't like the band. I really do like. <laughs> the other big <laughs> comparison that um, you haven't, haven't hit on yet is um ash i think is probably the other one that has mm. quite a similar sound and they also no one's mentioned shoegaze yet and i do think they have a bit of a shoegaze element to the way that the guitars um are sound more than it is notes that's interesting i i the ash one is is definitely a now that you mention is a real strong comparison um shoegaze i don't I don't know. That's hard because that's such a weird genre. <laughs> yeah. You know, what what end of shoegaze are you talking about? Are you talking about the the jangly lush end or the wall of noise my bloody valentine end or the or the uh riff rock swerve driver end or you know <laughs> halfway between the last two. Okay. <laughs> my bloody driver. I can you know that some of the guitar work is is like warning signs. Some of the lead stuff in that song has a has a swerve driver feel. I can understand what you're coming from or where you're where you're going with with that.
what did you think about the guitar playing, Jay? Did you find anything that was like, I didn't really find anything that was like overwhelmingly interesting or there's some noise and there's. Some yeah, noise, I, I think it's largely to me, largely anonymous. There are, like I mentioned, some moments where it pops out. Dirty Dishes, for example, like the intro of that song has a good like melodic hook on the guitar. Um, and there's a few other songs where it's more guitar lines which um, kind of float over the, that driving bass tone, that heavy mm. bass tone. But when they're not playing those lines and, and doing more of a lead style, melodic kind of guitar hook, the rest of the playing is, it kind of just washes. Like it is not the focus at all. I'm more focused on the bass and vocal. I found this record worked really well when I just had it on and I wasn't paying attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I really like that bass tone and the yep. energy. And this is a classic case of when you start picking it apart, you go, mm. "Yep." I don't know. How, I don't know if the sum is all that much. I had the same reaction. I have the exact same note that this is this is very much a context album. And unfortunately for this album, the worst context to listen to it in is in a critical review environment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shit. I've had it on all morning while I've been vacuuming and mopping and that, and it's great for that. Like you just said, background, yep. um, cool. But when you when you sit and try and listen to it and pick it apart, it's not its strength. Yeah, and I would be totally. I mean, this this is a band that I think the way they sound and and the quality of the recording and, and her vocal, like they slot in really nicely with a lot of bands that I like. Um, it would, you just have to be very particular with which songs you choose. Yeah. Do you remember there was an album called um, Saturday morning, the, the um, where bands covered the um, theme songs of cartoons? Oh yeah. I reckon these guys would have done a great like Scooby-Doo. It, um, version on there <laughs> i don't know that they would have beaten matthew sweet's version but uh it yeah. probably would have been pretty good yeah you're right yeah and honestly the the song that i heard from 2019 um on the work ep uh, which is the song work it i mean it sounded good it sounded like this but you know a 2019 version so her as a vocalist and as a bass player has a lot of interesting stuff. And I actually would be interested to check out some of her other song or I mean, her other bands. Um, I know she's been in, um, she's in a band called the escape committee for looks like three albums in the two thousands. And then, um, what else was there? Los Domingos. Los Domingos, yes. Looks like five albums uh, yeah. between 2005 and 2018. So she's been. Have you have you checked those out at all? Uh, yeah, I have those. Um, they sound like exactly, well, exactly what you would think that sounds like is what it sounds like. So, uh, um, sort of rough and ready, sort of um, band. I where I don't I don't remember it that well off the top of my head, but because they're up there CD only as well. Um, which means I don't get to listen to them that much now. But, yeah, they're, they're quite different to this. They're much rawer than this. The Escape Committee was um, Spencer P. Jones. So he was the he was the guitarist in the Beast of Bourbon for a while. 
Um, mm. or not for a while, but he was the you know he was the proper one. Um, so she did a lot of touring with him um, in that in that band. So that was more his songs. Yeah, that yeah, um, that wasn't necessarily her. Um, yeah, that that was her playing in a band in that band, not as a focal point. Gotcha. All right, let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP, decent single? We will share the poll results from Patreon. Jay, what do you say? I say EP. Uh, even though this record only comes to 36 minutes, um, I would still whittle it down to Mustang Bass. What is it? Pseudo. What is Pseudo-federine. it? Pseudofederine. 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 I do. I do. Red light disco warning sign and what puff and what a shame. Um, those are the songs that kind of stuck out to me when I did the critical listen, but <laughs> I totally agree with both you guys that um, when I listened to it, sort of as I worked, it sounds so good that I found myself like cranking it up and being way more into it um, than when I started picking apart. But when I did pick it apart, those were the songs that really stood out to me um, as working. And, and I also think that this is also a band that maybe like with a heavier hand of a producer um, or different producer, maybe, you know, a song like warning sign maybe becomes a lot hookier than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe this can become, you know, even more radio friendly, you know, with, with the right producer, um, too. So yeah, uh, where it sits, I'm, I'm, I'm an EP with those songs. Yeah. Not radio friendly. Like they got to like tone down the bass or anything like that, but just punctuate the melodies yeah with some harmonies or just make them work a little bit harder so you get like a better hook because i agree with you on the on your picks i would add catwalk kid i do like the last song on the record um but basically the same picks as you yeah um i think this a, a really song ep i mean this to me is like a perfect seven inch single two single you know two song or ep band like they just have that sound that they don't, they don't even, even if it's a 36 minute record, it, it almost feels like it's too much for this band. Um, they just, it's a classic. Yeah, I have to say it does feel longer than 36 minutes. I was kind of surprised to look at it and see that it was that short. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So Gavin, where, do, where are you at with this? Um, I'm going to stick with album, but I completely understand the EP part. I was waiting for everyone to sort of jump on EP. I'd be interested to see what would happen if you flipped the order of the songs because I feel like it's very front-loaded. Um, four of the first six songs were singles. Um, and then I, I feel like it kind of drifts towards the back half. But I'm not sure if that's just because, because it's quite samey. So, therefore, at that point, you drift out. Like, if you swap the songs around, would you prefer the last ones and you just drift off to the first ones? So. I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I yeah. I, I agree that um, uptight doesn't belong on here, but I do kind of like it as a song. It's a bit hoodoo gurus, but yeah, it's a good, complete left turn for, put for it, this album. Put it as the hidden track at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I I could um a few things like dirty dishes and a, a couple of the songs like that I could I could do without. But I'm 
happy for them to stay. You know, um, uh, yeah. So I think I think um, the first two or three times I listened to it, you know, in, in order for this, were at work, and I did switch off after six or seven songs. So, which All would right. indicate it. <laughs> well, we were right in, right where the. Uh... The Patreon poll was it was forty three percent were the album fifty seven percent better EP, so that's a pretty. I mean, we've had polls that were you know ninety percent to ten, so this is a it's a pretty accurate representation of of uh, I think our our uh, interests or our, our our response. And honestly, when I was looking at like Amazon for because really there's not a lot of coverage of this no. album. I looked at Amazon reviews. I went to rate your music and you know, there was a lot of like people who liked the record, but then three and a half out of five star type thing. So I was like, eh, yeah. I think EP is probably justified. Yep. So, um, Gavin, I, you know, I just want to warn you that USB stick, we are, we've used up quite a bit of it. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what's not used so far, but yeah, I, I can't no plug into it right now because I have all of my, <laughs> plugs from all yeah. my camera and my my mic and my power cord so i can't but i can tell you um i think uh i i want to say over half we've we've gone through at least half okay. <laughs> of that luckily now there's a thing called dropbox so you don't have to oh. mail us a usb anymore <laughs> no 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 that that has to be Oh, it does. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the requirement. Yeah. Okay. And I have to use a. I'm gonna have to start using a USB C adapter to listen to it because <laughs> <laughs> my Mac doesn't have a USB drive anymore. That's yeah. Actually, that's true. I have to use the adapter as well. <laughs> I I don't have a disc drive. I don't have a USB. I, I I'm surprised I still have a monitor. Actually, next time you have to send <laughs> us a bo a box of dub cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> There have you, you noticed not enough it's happening there? We've got cassettes are making a comeback here. Uh, I think they are here, ironically. It's because vinyl made a comeback, and of course it did. It's, it's great, but yeah. cassettes were never good. They were like, terrible. I don't get understand the nostalgia. They never worked. <laughs> They're crap. Other than yeah. making mixtapes, which were fun. Yeah, but yeah. The actual listening experience was awful. Mm. Gavin, thank you uh, once again for suggesting a record that we had no idea existed, and we've come away with it with some stuff we like. So we appreciate uh, you know you 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 educating us each time, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, your third pick this year because we're going to go into the '80s for yeah. that one. So which we have not yet done with a listener or a patron. Okay. Okay. So you're you're breaking the barrier on that. You're the you're the Chuck Yeager of eighties pod of eighties episodes. Okay. Well we're <laughs> talking about making that a poll, but I thought I know that if we make a poll, I know Yeah, I know it'll be a poll. It'll be a poll from three of your picks and um I won't divulge them yet. We'll wait until that month when we do that eighties episode. It'll be I think it'll be the August eighties episode. because uh, we're okay. we're getting ready to to do our our uh our four for um four picks for june and then the next one will be since they're every other month it'll be for august so people will be a the people it's going to be a um an earth-shattering poll when they see the options 
Jay's, yeah, Jay won't even be able to contain himself. <laughs> so much good Australian rock coming from the eighties. <laughs> He's so excited right now; he can barely speak. I want to do an angel. <laughs> I, I, we need to do an angels album. Well, guess what? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> there might be an angels album in that poll. All right. I heard they were called Angel City over there. I know. I'm trying to be cool with the Australian kids. <laughs> I don't want to sound like the dumb American. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't want to call them tattooed rows. Uh, want to remind folks that uh, if you would like to pick an album, you can do so by joining us at Patreon, uh, which you can find at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. That's where uh, all the, the voting happens. The discussion happens via our Discord page. And it's also where you can read the box newsletter, which comes out each week. On the weekends, you get it delivered to your email inbox and it's over at Patreon. You can read it. You can listen to it. We do one minute reviews of new releases that are relevant to the 80s and 90s music that we cover on this podcast. You can also go to digmeoutpodcast.com to sign up for it, which is also where you you can suggest an album that goes into our Patreon polls. Nine albums a month suggested at our website, voted on by our patrons. That's how it works. And if you like what you heard, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback for us. So thanks for coming back once again, Gavin. We, We enjoy this uh what's it a quarterly would be four times biannually would be twice so is it triannually yeah let's say get... yeah okay it's uh thirdles thirdles <laughs> thirdles i don't think that's i don't think that's right but i'm gonna go with it thirdles i think no. thirdles also performed a song on the saturday morning album. <laughs> they, they did. i love that band yeah, they did. They did the um, how a how a law a bill becomes a law song. It was like an eighteen minute prog uh, track. It was very it was intense. <laughs> All right, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Digby Out. With as much uh, friction and as difficult as possible. What's going on back there? Yeah, what was that? Okay, just just set it down. It's all good. Just set it down. I'll figure it out. Did we get a little taste of Zora there? Yeah, she's trying to put the vacuum cleaner back and she keeps turning it on when she tries to put it back. <laughs> And then started laughing. <laughs> hey, what, you know, it's, it's gold. It's podcast gold.